What's Underneath is a CastBox original produced in partnership with Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all of your favorite podcasts. You can listen to What's Underneath wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot and see for yourself. Hello and welcome to What's Underneath, the podcast that will inspire radical self-acceptance through empowering you to embrace what's unrepeatable in you. I'm Lily Mandelbaum, and sitting next to me is my mom, Elisa Goodkind. And we are Style Like You. In our new podcast, we are going to expand the types of intimate, unfiltered conversations we've been having in our viral video series, The What's Underneath Project. Each week, we will interview diverse nonconformists about their relationship to style, self-image, and identity. Being radically honest without shame and holding that honesty with compassion is self-acceptance. So, Mom. Hey, Lily. Can you tell us who we're here with? We are here today with filmmaker, artist, and musician, Terrence Nance, who we first found out about because um, Gabrielle Lede, who we did a What's Underneath episode on and who is I, I am very close to and love very much, introduced me to Terrence because she was animating for his new HBO show, Random Acts of Linus. And the minute I started to get the idea of how out of this world, unapologetic and brilliant this show was, I was like, uh, and Lily and I were, we, we need to interview Terrence Immediately. ASAP because uh, now that we've watched the show many times um, and you could watch it over and over and over again because of how much depth is in each episode, which is so unusual for television. So in my opinion, I feel like it's going to revolutionize television. That's pretty exciting because you're literally sitting there feeling like, am I in a museum? Am I at a show in a haunted house with many rooms am i reading a book because you just kind of can't believe that television would present something that is so deep in terms of exposing race and gender masculinity bodies all of the things that style like you cares a lot about cares a lot about but seeing it through the lens and eyes of terrence is pretty pretty mind-blowing and exciting so hi Hi, thank you. That was very nice of you to say. So have you always been so free and unapologetic in your expression? Freedom, I think I identify with that word. I've never felt constrained in my in, in, in making anything other than music. I think with music it's a little different, but with everything else, I definitely feel an ease in terms of just being able to express myself and I've never felt like I had any kind of formal idea to adhere to um, that had quote-unquote parameters that I was railing against that's that's never that's never been if it has been something I felt it was definitely a transient feeling or something that kind of came and went too fast for me to notice but um, people have been using the word unapologetic a lot. And I, I don't necessarily have a relationship to that word. Cause I guess to me, that means that there, I would have had some sort of expectation that I am to apologize for something in it, but everything definitely in the show is, I've never felt any kind of like, um, dialogue with an audience or, you know, anybody making the show that made me feel like, um, there was anything that would 
offend or necessitate an apology or mm-hmm. a caveat of any kind. So that's, it's, I, but it has been a kind of a descriptor that's come up a lot and I kind of just wonder about it, you know? Well, I think that I love the way that you, I've, I've noticed just in the 10 minutes since I've met you, you take, you're very present and in terms of your response to everything and very careful with your words and don't, and I, I can see that right away, like just even analyzing or answering something and not necessarily taking it at face value. The fact that that necessitates feeling like you have to apologize for something. As a prerequisite. That to the does word. really yeah. sort of negate the, like the strength of the word in a certain way. And I think mm-hmm. that's, and I think that sort of undoing and unlearning of all of these things that are just, I think that's what's so fascinating to me about the show. Mm. Where does that come from? Like <laughs> the questioning that, of everything. Yeah. Just where do, where do you, what has inspired that? Like just to have that kind of presence and mm-hmm. you're probably going to question my word confidence, but like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. Like I admire that. Like, where does that come from? I was definitely a child who asked why I only really know that because, um, my mother told me to stop doing to stop that. asking why. <laughs> yeah. All right. Or my father. I can't remember who, but it was, it was a very distinct memory I have of like, I was just like, why? You know, <laughs> like as a mm-hmm. little, little kid. Um, <laughs> which I'm sure is because. a few examples of some early whys? Like, I mean, types of things that you would. Why do I have to clean the gutter? Like, <laughs> what is it? And as opposed to like, you know, the gutter, I don't know, you know, if you're in Texas. There's a tree over the roof. The leaves fall in the, tree, in the gutter. They get too wet. They'll rot. The gutter will rot. Then the water will pool. You know, there's a reason why you should get the leaves out of the gutter. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I don't understand that when I'm set. Like, the abstraction, I'm not going to really understand that. So, like, I can understand what my dad would be like, because you need to clean the leaves out of the gutter and not mm-hmm. explain it to me. But, uh, you know, it's stuff like that, you know, that from my perspective now, it's hard to explain to a child. I know because, you know, I have seven nieces and nephews now. So, mm-hmm. but, but at the time, like, I like the idea that there's a face value. There even is a, such a thing as face value. You know, that I think that, like, I've always felt like somebody that, you know, people experiences energy is like passing through as opposed to like, without re- even having a moment to remark upon like the quote unquote value or even recognize or name things. I've always more been, if I'm to like, just analyze myself, just somebody who tries to at least let things pass through without having to like name it or judge it. That's like something in a box. Yeah. That's just something I'm interested in just in terms of experience, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think because that's just how, I've naturally been, but you know, I think that my parents are those types of people. They're very like, <laughs> they're indignant <laughs> type of people. Like they're not, they don't accept anything. Can we you hear know? more about them and in what ways they're indignant? Um, you know, just like they're news people, you know, they like yell at the screen and like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like um, my, my mother's an actress and uh, she don't take no shit. She's just like that type of person. Like she, she's the person at the protest yelling. Like she's, at the school yelling at the teachers you know 
this is how you pronounce Harambe, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. things like, like she's, she's that person. So maybe, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's just learned every, you know, everything is learned. And my dad is that way in his own way. You know, he's, you know, like a passive, like <laughs> a weird experience, you know, he's anti-spanking, which is good. Everyone should be, mm-hmm. but I don't know. He, he clearly felt pressure to do it. So he would fake do it. <laughs> which is like this weird passive aggressive I'm still not gonna do it <laughs> Just like, like he'd say a threaten or like or like yeah or whatever I mean, at least my experience or like he's pat not, you yeah yeah he's not really doing it because I know what it really <laughs> feels like it's not this is not it um, but yeah I mean he's a he's a news person you know he's a, uh, a an information processor in a way that like is just like very he's omnivorous and and doesn't um, choose, you know, he's not like a, I'm into this or I'm into that. Like he has he's just like a, a, a level that collector's instinct. that's like borders on something unhealthy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, especially with music, you know, he's just like voracious, you know? And I think that that kind of like, mm-hmm. like wide ranging omnivorousness, just like feeling like you have to hear it all. Um, mm-hmm. just experience it all. He's that way with experience, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, that's amazing. That's an amazing way to be. Yeah, it's your. It is. It can be. I guess, like, to be that open, and then with your mom, like, feeling like you can change things, like, just confronting and changing things. I love that idea, like, of asking why. And there's so much to ask questions about. <laughs> like, there's so much that's like. I mean, I feel like there's so many whys, like, all the time. Like, why, why things have to be a certain way. So, like, you got to ask it. I, I mean, and it's interesting. I didn't used to be like that. I used to be a know-it-all for sure. Like as a kid, at least my perception of myself was that I was. Maybe I observed my younger brother to be a know-it-all for a long time, and I remember the moment he stopped being that way. And he, you know, like essentially when he was not a child, you know. But you're, you're, he's older or younger? You said he's younger. Oh, younger. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't say my older brother was that way, but like I think we kind of had like a, uh, you know an arms race of being know-it-alls like as kids <laughs> like it's something like that um but yeah i remember the moment when it was i realized it was useless like i don't remember exactly when it was but some point in childhood when it, like that idea of like oh like you should like ask if you don't know like you should just make shit up or like you should exact moment no no i definitely felt like you know you just especially you just socialize as a boy you know the, the value mm-hmm. the value is like who can be like whose will is stronger at the end of the day it doesn't matter what you actually know it just matters the extent to which you convince anyone that you can project the confidence that you know something or you know and that is borne out in everything in culture now clearly totally. um, I think the need to the need to have to be right too is like kind of an extension of that maybe is it is yeah it's exactly that really yeah. I mean, I think if you want to stay stuck your whole life, like, then you need to, you know, that's like the recipe. And I had that bad, you know. I mean, I mean, I you still have, have it. I, I mean, everyone, definitely everyone socializes with male privilege has it in some proportion. But like, and I have it because of that for sure. But I do remember a moment when I kind of had a sea change of like, even if I, I still need to like, actively combat that <laughs> regularly if I have any chance at having a healthy interactions with humans you know <laughs> so but, mm-hmm. but but I mean all that is like 
uh, you also can't really be a, at least me, I, I don't think I, you can make from that space. Right. What you do know? you, you have to, be able to fail? Why? I want to hear why yeah. you feel that way. You know, you, if you already know, then why is it interesting to make anything? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if you already know what it's going to be like the whole, it's just like, I think of like making stuff is like conversation. Like, why would you enter into a conversation if you knew where it was going to go? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you, why would it be interesting to talk to somebody if you knew exactly what they were going to say back to you, you know? And if, like, you're making something and it's like, I'm going to make it and this is how people are going to react, you know? Like, then why do it, you know? And so, like, I think, and that's, like, also with film I noticed, because I didn't come into film till kind of recently in a way, that that, um, it's it's dictated, especially the more capitalism industry side of it, is dictated by the pseudoscience of like knowing how people things react yeah. to things, you Very know, to formula. the work. Yeah. Well, the, even like the idea of just more like the basic, you know, there's a whole kind of industry around saying like if you put this person in the movie and mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have it like the this, name. and you know, if the story this goes like genre. this, and mm-hmm. the data says that people will you know respond in this way and you know it it largely has been a pseudoscience until the actual data companies like netflix now has data that says like people stop watching when this type of thing happens you know apparently like they have they can read that now but even that is kind of like it's still just what happened in the past right. you know what i mean like people might tomorrow you know just like ants they might stop eating sugar tomorrow you know you never know it's like so how was that for you, like, navigating this commercial, like, the the buyers of your show? Like, how was it for you to navigate introducing something to them that was so n- not something that they probably have, like, not a genre, like, so not categorizable in, like, a traditional way and out of potentially some of their, I imagine it was out of comfort zones um, for people. And I'm wondering how you navigated that and like maintained your own center and like vision i wouldn't have characterized it as an active process of navigation mm-hmm. um that calls to mind like being in a forest or something <laughs> and like having to look at the stars and figure out where i'm going but i if i was in a forest that that, that wasn't the nature of the forest the nature of the forest is like more like creative conversation of like what do we want to make you know why you know what's resonating with us and i think because we stayed in that forest we just didn't even think about we didn't make any assumptions about their comfort level mm-hmm. you know after we sent stuff out we'd be like oh well maybe they won't like that but you know they didn't say anything so it didn't really mm-hmm. none of that if we had any of those expectations we quickly realized that they were just like we were just projecting our own right fears or yeah fears onto the situation so you never know how people's experience will contract or expand their ability to understand something in any given moment Mm -hmm. you know because it's like whether or not even if they were like hyper kind of like given a whole bunch of notes like their receptivity or non-receptivity i I feel like sometimes has nothing to do with like who they are you know Mm -hmm. it could just be like anything that happened that day or that year to them or or what you know it just could be anything you can't predict it you know I want to go back to the transition from feeling like you need to know it all to asking why in terms of just what inspired that or what, I mean, that that's like a masculine, feminine, like 
transition of some kind and an openness that isn't totally typical necessarily of uh, or, or I shouldn't judge that but like I'm just curious like I'm curious where what why did that happen like do you think and like what happened inside of you and like what was happening in your life or like what inspired that I think maybe there was a few phases I think just one big phase I think is watching just seeing um older men in my family navigate relationships like as a teen or as and just seeing like you don't get any money for <laughs> like being quote unquote right <laughs> or you know you don't get anything you know it's just like it's that's like mm-hmm. the first thing and then like um the other thing is just like being in relationships you know um i was in a really long relationship for like 11 years with a virgo and she <laughs> what are you i'm an aquarius and she was really into like the scholarship of relationships for sure and you know I read Wait, the, the what of relationships? This is like the scholarship, you know, like the studies and things like uh, that, you know. I, re- I read the emotional intelligence book at some point, like in the last five or six years, and read um, more than two, and the science of, just like all these books, you know, just being in conversation, just sort of engaging the more academic side of like how to be, relate to somebody in a successful way. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was another thing that shifted it. Um, but I think that now I'm thinking about it, the longer term thing is just seeing long-standing family relationships and the the conflicts how they how they rise up and resolve or don't, and just observing what I would do differently. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like trying to learn from that. You know, I think that it'd be an actively learned. I could do I can do better with that. I think I need to do better and like take the next step and not just observe but just ask more questions. Like literally ask like I do that now, not so much with my family. Whenever I meet like older people, especially who are married, I always ask them like or like older just older people who I feel like have some sort of experience with relating to people, not even just like loving or romantic relationships, right. family dynamics. Parent I always ask parents and st- stuff like you know, just more open-ended questions about, like, how they manage it and work through it. I don't have no kids, but, you know, just, I think that's the next step. You're curious vigilant. about it. It's, like, yeah. something that you're very fascinated by. Yeah, yeah. I know I've been married, and with my husband, we've been together about 35 years, and we've been married, like, 33 years, and people are literally, like, these days, like, are so, like, we're, like, dinosaurs, we're, like, relics. Mm. People are so interested in like how that happens how did it happen how did, has it <laughs> has it been continuous no sabbaticals yes <laughs> a lo- i always what? think sabbaticals are kind of necessary if we're gonna last many ins and outs <laughs> many ups sabbaticals and- of goodness many 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 ups and downs and like almost breaking and and then not and then a lot of a lot of i'm a fighter mm-hmm. i don't I put tell. up i don't tolerate like i don't like i don't give up mm-hmm. and it's and it and it's been sort of a battle in certain ways but 
um, like a hard battle, but I'm like starting to like win the battle. But it's, taken, it's taken <laughs> start. A, you're just not starting. Starting to take a long. It's taken a long time. But I think instinctually, like. And but doesn't it have a lot to do with what we're talking about? I mean, I think ultimately what we're talking about. It has a lot to do that I say to him. One of the things I say to him is recently, him needing to be right yeah. and being too defensive. Okay, you need to be right. Great, you're de- okay. Great. Yeah. wonderful like that's really cool like uh, like the things that i've learned like oh, you do the thing i do <laughs> what like a little passive aggressive no i do it's more funny because my partner now you know she's very like we don't really like we fight occasionally but it's always like a sheen of like a metatextual scene scene over it of like because we know how to fight because we've read about it <laughs> so it's like this weird so like when she is right i'll just be like i have something to tell you you're right. <laughs> it's like, it's half a joke, but then half like, she really wants that moment. You know what I mean? So have you always um, like been willing and interested in putting yourself and your own like experiences into your artwork and, and ha- or has there been any journey of like, I don't know, feeling um, nervous to do that and then putting, pushing yourself to do so, pushing through any fear of being vulnerable and, exposed in any way i think that uh, I'm, I'm i'm very impulsive and i think i formalized that mm-hmm. like you know very early on like in college or whenever i started kind of being like oh, okay i make art or whatever in those days i would like say that like my main thing is to try and obey my impulse without judging it mm-hmm. and so my impulse is always just to do it whatever it is i think there's also a practical shit there is like you know i'm the person who can show up and you know like that type of thing yeah so there's definitely a lot of that especially early on um and then you just kind of get used to doing what you know how to do um but then i think that i do get little random pangs like way late in the process like fruit with oversimplification for instance wait it's, what for instance the oversimplification that it's about me and I'm in it at some point like when it was basically like, almost done I think I was done and I was like sitting in a theater or something and like my mom was there and I just sort of realized, realized right. that how diaristic it was and just like normal stuff like you know it has sexual content you know it's like mm-hmm. me talking about sex I'm having or not having and my mom's sitting there or whatever you know like I have like little moments like that but mm-hmm. they're not like Remarkable. It is. It's not, it doesn't take the form of fear. Just like, oh, I never thought about that. That might be awkward for this person or set of people. But also, you know, with I think most diaristic work, it's all, it's all a conjecture. It's not like quite a lie, but it's you can't fit a person into an hour and a half, you know, or anything. You know, it's like not. It's a. It's a. It's a fiction, just like anything else that has mm-hmm. a basis in some things that have actually happened. Mm-hmm. So I don't also get the feeling that like just me being in it means anything about like how revelatory I'm being about Mm -hmm. my existence. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be carried over to anything. Just like, you know, I mean, I think we've all had this experience of like feeling like you're really close to somebody. Like you're like really close friends with them. And then like you realize maybe a year later you get in conversation that's triangulated with somebody else they know and you realize you don't like know, know anything about them <laughs> and i think that that kind of that happens because i think people are used to sort of like just giving the amount of themselves that they can or is useful to them or you know is helpful in any given interaction right. and if art is conversation i think that that happens in that way mm-hmm. too i am super excited to try boy briefs products from tomboy x 
Tomboy X promises underwear that is made to fit you and how you see yourself. Tomboy X offers bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts, as well as soft bras and racer back bras. Everything comes in everyday basic colors and fun seasonal prints. Wherever you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody can feel comfortable in. Go to tomboyx.com style, S-T-Y-L-E, and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. And what's underneath listeners get an extra 15% off with code style. Again, code style for an extra 15% off. Go to tomboyx.com style. Can you talk a little bit about what your style says about you? Uh, I'm in a, I'm in a reinvention phase right now, uh, so I don't know my style is whatever it is right today is not going to be that tomorrow. Uh, but what are you re- What do you mean what are you by reinventing? That? Well, my style previously said about me, I think, was like a denial of the body and like this body you're looking at is not me. It's uh, it's just like cool decoration. That's like I think that's still like who you were I putting am. it on and you didn't feel like it was like an expression of you. No, it's no, just like, like it's just like a gift body. I have. Like this body is just like, it's just like something like a cool like a fi- stereo. Like he was feeling like <laughs> actually like his body wasn't his. Like from a philosophical standpoint, oh, okay. yeah. what do you want to elaborate on that? I mean, I still feel that way. I think that you know my my experience of my body is it's just like a gift that I. It's like cool house I'm living in. You know, I get to lease it and. It's nice and you know it's that it's not like but it isn't me you know what i mean it's and it's more than anything it's like a it's an intermediary and a, maybe a in, a in the best case a tool um it's like a language maybe even in and of itself and so i think that like with that idea i didn't have so much of a relationship to like adorning it in like a super specific way because it just never felt like um you know, you just got to kind of put stuff on it so people don't get freaked out type of thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, as opposed to anything past that, you know. Did you always have that feeling, like that awareness that you're, like that... Your body was a gift? Yeah, that your body's Leasing. just here temporarily. I mean, that's a very, like... I mean, I totally understand and agree that we're all, like, just in the... Like, we're, what, we're spirits in these bodies or... Can you talk more about that? Like, and how long you've had that sort of awareness or have you thought about it yeah i mean i thought a lot about it um the first time i ever had is just like i I didn't really i felt very strange answering to my name for a long time like as one of my earliest memories so i don't know how old i was but i was before i could really talk was i remember thinking all the time who is terrence like who are they talking to (laughs) i have no idea who they're talking to (laughs) and uh (laughs) You know, especially you have a lot of brothers and sisters. Everybody is saying your name a lot to get you to not hurt yourself or whatever, you know. And I got that they meant me, but I didn't understand why that was like, it took me a long time to understand that's just like the name of my body. You know what I mean? Your body. Yeah, Yeah, it's not like my name or even the idea of having a name is sort of like, too much of a commitment <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or something you know, <laughs> um, for a non-embodied entity. And I had a lot of like kind of existential experiences of like, who am I really without the aid of any kind of psychedelics, you know, just like mm-hmm. as a young person, like as a teenager. What are some of the assumptions that you think people make about you based on 
your appearance and style and that I smoke weed <laughs> that I'm from California. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't I never had any thought about what they would be until people tell me so I'm just telling once mm-hmm. people have told me um, that's pretty, basically it <laughs> yeah, smoke weed from California yeah there's no which neither is true but <laughs> uh, I'm not against smoking weed I just that's not something I do regularly <laughs> but uh, yeah it's just interesting it's more that people think I have like like I'm the plug. Like people think that I, mm. like I get supplied, you know, but <laughs> I never am that. So I'm disappointing people a lot. What would you say has been your biggest struggle? Self-discipline in general, you know, just like, I think the definition of self-discipline is like really, you know, you're kind of taught it means getting up at 6 a.m. It's like a militaristic idea. Um, but of, of like your daily schedule or something like that. But if you kind of more reduce it to like consistency with engaging in um, that which expands you, mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. figuring that out is one thing. <laughs> then, mm-hmm. And then just being able to like manage energy to get it there consistently is like. I just feel like I don't have enough life to really get to where I could be. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean with that? I to that. But, uh, yeah, everybody, that's, I think that's the biggest battle for almost anybody, especially by kind of like in a, in a more free form type of lifestyle. One of the producers on the show, Kelly, was like, you don't like rules, Terrence. I was like, I love rules. What are you talking about? And like five people converged on me like, Terrence, you don't like rules. Why are you even trying to have this? I was like, I love rules. What are y'all talking about? You know? And they're just like, I realized their subjective experience of me is essentially that I feel like I'm in prison all the time. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know why y'all think I feel that way, but I am the type of person. If somebody says, this is how it has to be. I say, why? Mm-hmm. I want to know, you know? And to them, it's kind of like, I realized to them it, that reads is like dislike. But to me, what I dislike is like hypocrisy and like, which I think everyone probably dislikes or arbitrary constraints. Mm-hmm. I love hyper rational things that help us expand or, you know, direct <laughs> us towards, you know, expansion. Like that's all great. And that's a rule. You know, I have mm-hmm. rules for myself. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I don't eat a lot of foods because you know right. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, be a, feel a certain way. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? There's all kinds of extremely helpful, I think guidelines and regulations are necessary. So, you know, most of the Ten Commandments are fire. You know, <laughs> like really, you really shouldn't kill people. You know, mm-hmm. the the idea of freedom is is sort of like at its best in, in the context of self discipline about um, guiding guiding yourself in a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. damning things and mm-hmm. getting a certain flow going. Even just like with the phone, you know, like put that aside and mm-hmm. write, you know, <laughs> let me meditate, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or even med- you know, meditation practices essentially sit, you sitting down there and obeying some rules, you know, at it, it, its heart, you know, mindfulness, you know, you're doing right like within the normal. structures, the freedom is something that's a very kind exactly. of yogic and, and, and I think that's so true. Like th- th- I think that's a really beautiful sentiment, but at the same time, 
I like if someone tells me what to do, I I literally <laughs> have to do the opposite thing. How do you have a meditation teacher if you do the opposite of? Well, no, only no, if not, you don't like the rule. If I don't like if the rule, you, like if yeah. someone says everyone. you need to wear like you know you need like I used to be a stylist, and if they go, everyone on the set has to wear this. I was like, there's no way I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I do that on my sets. I tell everybody that to wear. Um, I say dress formally in the in the cultural tradition that resonates with you the most. Which I feel like, but that's giving them yeah a lot of freedom to that's a that's a good rule. I yeah, mean, that's but it's still a rule. You know, still, I mean? it's right. still like yeah. dress code. You know, I mean, to me, it's completely ridiculous that anyone can't dress exactly as they want to, wherever they want no, to, they whenever they want to. Like that for me is just absurd. What about what about like doctors? <laughs> like think about this why 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 they wear scrubs you don't want to drop a button in somebody right. why are you giving a epa uh appendicitis my you friend know? who feels exactly like i do about this has designed a line of scrubs yeah <laughs> for doctors yeah, that are has. cool but i'm saying a doctor <laughs> if they came in like dressed like you right now they can't you don't want to drop an earring yeah. True. <laughs> i would be such a mess as a doctor i would be like wait a minute or my earring fell out um i have 20 layers on Someone i can't get to this their, your earring inside of them yeah. yeah no i know and like i actually really love uniforms <laughs> everybody has duality i really love uniforms i think uniforms yeah. are amazing and uniforms look for the most part so much better than like how most people choose to dress these anyway like you know that's in this true. very conformist formulaic fast fashion whatever it is bullshit that's going on i'll take a uniform mm-hmm. any day yeah um so like i think it's way chicer way like cooler you know just amazing the uniforms mm-hmm. are amazing so yeah i'm being a total contradiction but like <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, so next question yeah what's your biggest fear my mother dying or my father dying i mean that would just be terrible for me <laughs> for a while I mean I know it would, it's gonna happen so it's also like but I think if like I can imagine a terrible day that would be the worst possible day mm. you know so and I've been blessed to have them this long so what what do you feel is like um, a risk you've taken in your life I haven't really taken any risks I mean <laughs> I, I take the That's path of least resistance pretty much <laughs> no but seriously like I don't think that like it would have been a risk for me to like I mean really just do anything else with my life like I'm really just doing the thing that it comes easiest to me mm. like in all in my full truth mm-hmm. like I'm doing the thing that is my whatever my impulse is and mm-hmm. I think it would be very risky for me to like try and do anything else that was outside of that I would you know it'd be a risk I wouldn't take which is why I didn't take mm. it <laughs> you know? did you ever like consider that yeah I mean like like not it's so fleetingly that I used to tell my parents I wanted to be like an architect and then my aunt took me to some architectural firm and I realized that you can't just draw your own house and they were like I, yeah, I was like oh I, just, I guess I'm not doing that <laughs> you know like I had like that kind of feeling like maybe I was gonna try and like do like something engineering related like i feel like i I do like the idea of um kind of engineering in the broadest sense Mm -hmm. like solutions but the actually day-to-day of it doesn't rock with like 
what I am interested in. So, Have you ever felt afraid or nervous to be doing something without the security of, I don't know, a state when you before HBO was involved and you're doing your own things and even now like that doesn't feel like a risk to you because it feels so natural like to just be on your own artistic path yeah I mean there's the whole being broke of it all but you know I'm used to being broke so <laughs> it's not like especially when you grow up without money it's like what's new <laughs> like you're not you're not kind of in this I was never in any kind of like super acute state of fear around that aspect of it when do you feel the most vulnerable i feel very vulnerable when i think when just like it's important to me that i'm like a good family member and so like i'm hyper i care about what they think you know so it's like having to have any kind of serious conference emotive conversation with anybody in my family is when i feel most like this could go anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? That type of feeling. Like something honest that might be charged. That, yeah. That you feel you need to express. Yeah. Nevertheless. Yeah, you have to do it, you know. There's no not doing it, you know. That's, that to me is like the only time I feel like I could get hurt here. <laughs> right. Something. Like you know something what I mean? that you can't swallow or push down and yet you're worried about the outcome. You're mm-hmm. worried about the tension or the conflict or mm-hmm. namely mm-hmm. probably patterning it for like people watching me, you know, especially like my nieces and nephews, like if my nieces and nephews sees it like, oh, Uncle Terrence is just say it, you know, like stepping into He's that uncomfortable place. In. Yeah. Being OK with that. Yeah, I think that that's more important than if the conversation well. leads anywhere. That's a really yeah. good point. And I also think that's so hard for people. to do. It is really so. so yeah. So yeah. Hard. Do you have any sources of shame? Not in my conscious mind. I'm sure I, I'm sure I have some that are in there, <laughs> you know, but I haven't. Does anything come shame. to mind of like something that you once have had shame around that you feel like you've freed yourself from? I mean, it's just like racism shit, but it's not like not, <laughs> you know, like when you're like a kid, like you know in texas or whatever and like the principal like she acted like the first time i was like in a white school i was already like maybe 11 i was pretty i wasn't like a little little kid Mm -hmm. and i had i'm sure i had some sort of accent the teacher the uh, principal kind of you know this white lady she sort of acted like she couldn't understand what i was saying is is like kind of developed developed this and a lot of the kids would kind of they would sort of like they wouldn't directly make fun of that particular they would make fun of me in other worse ways but like it would it created a situation where I went very quiet I became very quiet as a Mm -hmm. child like for a long time but you know I ended that (laughs) you know like around then Mm -hmm. you know like you know I was like 14 or so but yeah it was just like (laughs) you're getting back at them now no no I mean I feel like actually (laughs) I feel like actually that's like a, the main thing to like try and not do is just like not even just do, like they don't exist for, you know like not give bro- it power huh not give it power yeah my brother um younger brother he used to make him and my dad and my dad's name is Norvis him and my dad got an argument about music my dad used to be a musician have a little music career singing career he's kind of started doing it again he got an argument with my younger brother about something and my younger brother moved out and it was like for spite started calling his music Norvis Jr. 
so that basically he's gonna like blow up as a musician using my dad's name and he kind of did right <laughs> but then he realized like this is like not a healthy place to be making art from so he changed his name you know it's not like right. to give that animosity energy you know and i think it's the same thing you know mm-hmm. like i haven't been thinking about that for a long time so it's like you know what's your definition of beauty uh my definition of beauty is a metric that uh measures the intent to which you want to seduce or um disarm or be disarmed it's like a tool like it's like a Yeah, it's just, it's an energy or a tool, or like something you you emit or receive, and the reason you usually emit or receive it is to disarm or be disarmed. Mm. You know. Can you give maybe an example of like what you think is beautiful in that, in the context of your definition? Anything that disarms me, <laughs> you know, like so, mm. like for what? Uh, like what? Or anything that kind of like eases me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in any type mm-hmm. of any time I'm trying to emit or emit ease, you know, mm-hmm. that's when I'm attempting to be beautiful, or <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, that type of thing. That's. A beautiful answer beautiful. but it's a tool like any other i don't think it's a tool privileged above any other tools like ugliness i don't you know mm-hmm. i think ugliness is probably when people are trying to emit um abrasion or or armor a border mm-hmm. you know it's another tool you know mm-hmm. if you want that reaction you know <laughs> mm-hmm. or you want to receive like sometimes you know people go see like horror movies you know it's like mm-hmm. you sometimes you want that too you know Right. So it's like to put up an armor. Yeah, which is is not bad or good, and neither mm-hmm. are bad or good. You know, sometimes you do not need to be disarmed. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or you don't need to be out here disarming people. So, <laughs> you know. Right. Thank you. That was really beautiful. Thank you. Like Thanks super beautiful and amazing. Thanks for having me. It was good. Really, really appreciate it a lot. No problem. We hope you were inspired by this episode. Until next week, that's it from me, Elisa. And me, Lily. If you agree that facades separate us and being radically honest brings us together, help spread the movement for radical self-acceptance by sharing this episode and subscribing to our podcast. You can also watch our videos by subscribing to our YouTube channel and following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook using the handle at StyleIQ. That's the letter U instead of the word U. And check out our book, True Style is What's Underneath, The Self-Acceptance Revolution on Amazon or at a local bookstore near you. We can't skip ahead to a happy ending or live inside a photoshopped image or an Instagram filter. There's no finding oneself when glossing over the truth. Life moves fast. It's good to take a step back and appreciate the little things in life. On Simply Complex, we dive into those professions, items, and processes we often drive past in a blur or take for granted in our daily rush. Subscribe to Simply Complex on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening most to take a deeper look into the deceptively simple things in our lives that are actually extremely complex. Hi, guys. I'm Kyla Coleman. 
You might know me from Cycle 24 of America's Next Top Model. I have a brand new podcast called Not So Glamorous. On this podcast, I'll be taking off the eyeshadow, trading in my heels for some comfy shoes, and I'll tell you all about what happens before, during, and after the runway. Each week, I'll be covering a different topic in the world of modeling on Not So Glamorous. Find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon.